Hi, I'm Dr. Mitch Harlan, and welcome to the Truth Talks Podcast. Today, I'm joined by an amazing guest, but before I introduce them to you, I want to ask that you please like and subscribe below. That way, we can continue to bring you these incredible stories, and if you're already liked and subscribed to our channel, we thank you for all of your support. My guest today is Eva Clay. This is going to be so much fun. This is something I learned about you through Michael Sean, a, a friend of both of ours. And I want to take our listeners kind of down this pathway of how your expertise in this particular field really enhances the life of everyone. And what's the song? It says, uh, let's talk about sex, baby, uh, just you and me. I mean, this is this is what everyone wants to talk about. So Eva, how are you? <laughs> I'm ecstatic and I'm looking forward to talking about my favorite subject in the whole world. You're a sex educator, psychotherapist, activist, academic for 20 years. You know, what we always try and do at True Talks is bring in people that, that really have expertise opinion. And we are talking all about sex today, right? And really, we're going to focus this in on how it works with relationships. Tell me a little bit about your background, because it, it is quite interesting. As you mentioned, I've been a psychotherapist now for, I don't know, 23 or 24 years, but who's counting? Um, and I've always, I've always focused on neuroscience and the brain, and I just, I love the brain. And um, about 12 years ago, I went through a divorce and had a kind of sexual awakening myself. And I decided I really wanted just to focus on sexuality. And it, it's such a neglected part of our reality. And, and I feel that in our culture, we're not talking about it in a really healthy, informed way. What I really like to do is how do we bring this down to where it affects every single person in their everyday life? And so I've got about a billion questions for you. I hope you have a billion answers. But but we want people to really experience what you mean by this and how it actually enhances your relationship. The thing that most people um, don't about when it comes to sex is that um, from an evolutionary standpoint, there's this assumption that the purpose of sex is for procreation. But when we really look at the, not only the brain science, but the experience of sex in the nervous system, Sex is actually, as much as it is for procreation, it's for bonding. And it's in part to keep the tribe cohesed. And we know that as humans, we are tribal animals, that we are interdependent upon each other. We don't survive well on our own. And so nature has designed us perfectly to release sets of neurohormones and neurochemicals that synergize in a way to actually bond us with our sexual partners. It uh, makes us feel whole and well, and it has just this cascade of benefits in the body. And I think most of us, if we have a kind of adaptive sexuality, understand that already, that we feel happier, we feel more grounded, we're more intelligent, we're more regulated in our nervous system when we're having consistent intimacy. And even if that doesn't include penetrative sex or orgasm, ejaculation, that body-to-body -body contact is vital for our survival. All right, so now we got to throw out some reality, right? 
that, that all sounds absolutely wonderful. But when you apply that to real life, I'm tired. Uh, I've been working all day. I've, uh, you know, there, then you start to get into this whole psychology of I'm not wanted, I'm not needed. One of the things that I wanted to really get out of you today was if you're, if, how do you separate life from the exploration and understanding what it is that you talk about? You don't separate. And it, what it really is asking for is a redefinition of what intimacy is. And um, one of my favorite questions, and this is coming from one of my teachers and mentors, Esther Perel, is what do you look to for? And we all have a kind of different uh, motive or benefit that we get from sex. So for example, it might be for stress release. It might be for um, tuning out from what's happening at work. It might be for dropping in deeper to yourself. It might be for intimacy and connection. And that also is likely to change depending on the moment, the mood, the partner. But when we begin to shift the definition of what intimacy really can be and come out of the kind of cultural assumptions, we've all been wired and programmed with these assumptions. For men, it's often about performance and about ejaculation. So when you think about, God, I've had such a hard day, I'm super tired, I don't necessarily feel like having sex or I don't necessarily feel like giving my partner foreplay for 30 minutes before I have sex. Can we just fuck, you know, like <laughs> lift that up. And this is one for men a lot. It's like, can I, can I just have sex with her and not have to work so hard and instead look at it more as intimacy. And let's say your, your partner, your female partner, your wife has had a hard day. Wow. She's just been with the kids all day, just put them to bed. She's exhausted. She has dishes from dinner to do. Maybe your lovemaking that night is massaging her feet. Or maybe it's long, slow. Doing this all wrong. I'm doing this all wrong already. <laughs> but I get it. I understand what you're saying, right? It makes perfectly great sense. It's fun to talk about this stuff because it's reality. So either you can help me or help her. Who do we need to help? Do we need to help her being okay with me touching her boobs? Or do you have to help me saying, hey, you got to find a way of just touching her shoulders and kiss her on the back of the neck? I'll help you. Ah, of course. I knew it was coming to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you, are you open to a tip? And I think this might help your viewers. I'm open to anything. That's why I love this. This is why I couldn't wait to do this. You fire at me all you want. <laughs> Um, okay, so it, it, the male and female sexual arousal system is wired completely differently. Like literally we're innervated differently. So the way that stimulation happens in the genitals and the way it transmits to the brain has a completely different process. For men, that transmission happens like at the speed of light. So in the male body, if you are male body and you look at a sexy picture of a woman, you might experience arousal. You might even experience erection and happen super fast. And that's because your nerve highways between the brain and the genitals looks like a straight grid. Literally, if you look at an anatomy <laughs> drawing, it's a straight grid. Um, the female arousal system is like a tangled mess of seaweed between the brain and the genitals. It's like circuitous. It's and every woman is different in the way that those nerve highways kind of tangle and interact. 
And so women take a lot longer to transmit arousal signals from the brain to the genitals, to the genitals, to the brain, back and forth. So women need to be warmed up. Uh, Here's my motto for men, work smarter, not harder. So (laughs) when you, when you, when you figure out your, your partner's highways, meaning like her portals, her entryway to arousal, um, start there and slowly begin to open her up. Like a, a woman will blossom in her sexuality and you, hopefully you know you know this that once she does blossom and she feels held and cared for and safe and attuned to that she really has your attention she'll turn on fire she's gonna light up and she becomes the tigress but she has to be warmed up this is such a huge topic though because no one seems to want to talk about it and literally in almost every case that we do in all relationships it always comes down to this kind of intimacy type thing, the trust, the everything, but it does seem absolutely focused around sex. And it's, of all the ones that I've done that where people have ended up with the most amazing relationships, they kind of fought through this though, right? And so there's, I can't tell you how many interviews I've done where there's been affairs and the person then finally says, hey, you know what? We're at this point in our life. We have kids. Do we really want to end this thing? They start talking about this stuff. And they're like, okay, well, wait a minute. This kind of makes sense now. And all of a sudden, they have a better relationship than they did prior to the affair, right? And so many people throw so many good things away because of these things, because no one knows this information. Why is that? Why, why don't people investigate this more? Our culture. It's called cultural stigma. And there's this, uh, we have a really schizophrenic relationship with sex in the West where it's either um, really shamed and suppressed and it's made to be dirty or it has all these rules and restrictions around it uh, or it's totally overblown and pornographic. And that's the shadow of what we're not talking about. And that's why, you know, there's such an epidemic of porn addiction, unfortunately. And, um, and, you know, look look at the media, look at, look at Instagram. Holy cow. Look at what's happening with teenage girls on Instagram. So we have this like bipolar uh, perception of sex. And so um, we're not getting sex education early enough. And um, I think it should be written into parenthood to begin talking to your kids about sex very, very early on and not shame it so that there is this liberty. And we also have this expectation when we go to a relationship that um, a couple of things I noticed is that we assume we either have chemistry with someone or we don't. And if you're single and listening to this, probably you're doing online dating or you have done a lot of it or you're about to do it. This is how singles are meeting each other today. And we're coming into contact with someone new and we're saying, oh, it's there or it's not, it's red or it's green. And then, if you go into a relationship or into a marriage with someone, there's also this like defaulting to what I call, um, and I mean, no offense by this, but it's patriarchal sex, meaning it's very male oriented that sex begins when the male penetrates the female sex ends when the male ejaculates. And because we're, we're operating in this patriarchal sexual structure, everybody loses because the feminine mode of making love is not being honored. And there's so much that's lost in that. And understand that when you're in a relationship, you're making love to each other all the time. Meaning how you interact in your day-to-day, how you text each other when you're at work, 
how you make dinner and do the dishes. It's all an erotic play, an erotic dance. But because we have so much shame and stigma about sex, sex is relegated to the bedroom. So we like, we do our, we do our work, we cohabitate, we raise kids, but then at night, maybe after 10 and the kids are asleep, maybe we have enough steam to have sex. That kind of model is not a sustainable one. As I understand, like you are constantly stoking the fire of your erotic connection. And when you get that, you can really have a good time with it. Flirt with your partner, send him a naughty text during the day. Um, so instead of grabbing her boobs when she's doing the dishes, wrap your arms around her belly and breathe into her ear, like in a way that she loves to be seduced and turned on. And that's the great opportunity that mm, I hope you and all your listeners can take. So tell me this, you say you talk about sex early with, you know, so here's a, here's a, a, a conversation I have with my daughter. So my daughter's 15. She did, she does a self tanning stuff. She's a cheerleader. There was a little extra dark stuff here. Kind of looked like a hickey for just a second, although she knows I'd probably kill her. But here was our conversation. I'm like, I look at that. I go, what the heck is that? And she goes, oh, it's just tanning lotion. And she kind of giggles, you know. And I tell her, listen, whatever your boyfriend does to you, I'm going to do to him. So you better be prepared for this. I don't think that's the talk that you're talking about is what I'm guessing. (laughs) (laughs) Am I screwing up my kids? Because I'm not going to talk to my 15-year-old daughter about sex because it makes, it makes me want to go hurt people. Yeah, but, and yet she needs, she needs you to talk about sex with her. Oh, I can't do it. Especially, especially from a male perspective. Do you mean like, honey, listen, this is what's out there and no. don't make me go to prison? or. <laughs> not what I mean. <laughs> okay. Give me, give me what you're saying here, because I don't know if I'm getting on this bus. So tell me what you mean. <laughs> well, how do you want your daughter to think about sex? Like as she, when she's 30, what kind of attitude do you want her to have about her body, her pleasure, her sexuality? Oh, I don't want to know any of it. I, that's the thing. I, I, obviously I got a problem here. You got, you got, programs later this afternoon, right? Because apparently I'm going to need some therapy here because <laughs> that doesn't work for me. Like, I don't even want to hear my wife talk about it with her. And now, which is a crazy conversation that we have, like, am I reverting back to when I was 16? Because I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, oh my God, that's not okay. Well, think of it more of like a philosophy or an attitude. What attitude and philosophy do you want your daughter to have about her body. So not just about sex with men or sex with other people, but about her own sexuality, her own body. Do you want her to feel shameful about it? Do you want her to feel embarrassed? Do you want her to feel expressed or healthy? Do you want her to feel at ease and comfortable and in love with herself? If you, like, you decide as a parent, how do you want your child to feel about sexuality, not just her own, but in general, globally? And okay. you begin to lay those tracks. I can get on that bus. I can get on that one. All right. Okay. So we have that conversation. Is it perfectly okay when he comes to the door, take him in a room and say, all right, she feels beautiful. She feels all the stuff that we talk about. Now I'm going to kill you if you, if you act upon any of that. Is, that. is that what you're telling me? Cause I can get on that bus. I can do that one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can get on that bus too with you. All right. Well then. Okay. All right. That one more problem solved. That was good. I feel better about myself. <laughs> okay. you, you know, one of the other things that I've done a lot of work in is, 
as I was writing down these interviews, there's a whole lot of things neurochemically that come on, and I broke it down into decades of life. You know, this day and age, everything is swipe left, swipe right, what you talked about, right? Red or green. And it doesn't seem like there's much meaning in there. It's almost like we're not designed for that, though. It's like that moment where you're trying to build up who you are, what you're about, and it definitely seems more physical. Then 30 to 40 is the baby years, and, and people are losing their shape. And then you get to 40s, which is when usually all the bad, fun stuff happens. We'll call it bad or fun, however you want to look at that. Then you get to 50, and you kind of come up with this awareness, right? Kind of like what you talked about, that awareness type of thing. Is all that normal, though? Well, there are, I, I appreciate your construct. And I think all of that is changing. All of that is shifting. Uh, as our gender roles are shifting, our expectations, marriage like is shifting. We're at an all-time low rate of marriage. Actually, the, the only demographic, the only population where there's an increase in marriage is the gay population. And uh, otherwise, it's plummeting. So people are losing their reasons to get married culturally. And um, I think some of, of what you're sharing is like hormonal and it's about the energy in our bodies and what's appropriate, what's our psychology at the different stages of life. But again, all of that is shifting too. So again, one of the um, fastest rising um, phenomenons that we're looking at now is women over 40 having children, right? And so women are waiting later and later in life to get married or to get pregnant and have a child because they want to get their career stabilized first. I think it's actually becoming less and less common for women in their 30s to get pregnant. Which, which is fascinating that you say that because it certainly seems like when people have these types of awakenings, like it, it decreases stress. Again, we could go back to the hormones and so on and so forth, but I, I want to keep this as real as we can possibly get it. When you really start exploring yourself, like again, just because I don't want to throw anybody else under the bus, because believe me, producer Chad, I could throw him under the bus about a million times right now. But what one of the things that, again, that I find really, really, really interesting is it's almost like people have to go through these life experiences to come up to this. Like I know you talked about, you know, being married, had the divorce, and then discovering how do you help people discover before those things arise? Yeah, thanks for asking that question because I wanted to m make this comment earlier. You don't need to have an affair or a rupture in your marriage in order to have a sexual revolution in your relationship. Um, most affairs happen because one partner is looking for excitement. They're looking for vitality to feel alive again in their eroticism and in part, it's often because they have not learned how to stoke the eroticism in their primary partnership. So again, it's back to that default sex of like we work hard all day and then collapse into bed. And maybe once in a while we have energy to have sex in the same rote way that we've always had sex. And when it gets boring, put on some porn or go to Vegas uh, have some drinks or try to have a threesome with someone to spice it up. You know, all of these are like uh, mechanisms or tools to try and make sex exciting again with your partner. When <clears throat> in actuality, there's this whole plethora, there's a whole world of ways of interacting and things that you can do and involving your whole mind, body and spirit and psyche and soul into the way that you're making love with your partner. And when that gets activated, when that's curated, then there's less boredom. Like the boredom won't set in. 
um, you won't have that default sex anymore. And I like for people to think about your sex and your erotic energy when, with your partner as like a fire that needs to be tended. If you light a fire and you leave it to sit there, it's going to go out. And fire has very predictable, reliable ingredients that creates the immolation. And that is oxygen, heat, and fuel. And eroticism has the same thing. It's mystery, novelty, and obstacle. Love it. So Perfect. when you, you learn how to play with those dynamics with your partner and you keep the tension alive between the two of you, it's exciting. You never have to get bored. You know, I, I always say that there's, there's three women that I live with, right? Um, I have my mom wife. I have my vacation wife. And then I have my tequila wife, right? And Ooh, so, tequila. I love it. oh yeah, tequila is the best, right? That's this. I think, you know, sometimes I've even considered uh, f by doing the research that if we just had tequila in us every day, all day long, it would be the best relationship ever. All our kids would probably be homeless and everything else. But, you know, but when you apply that principle, it's what makes sense, right? It's like, uh, you know, when you're in mom mode or she's in mom mode and, and just so much stress of running kids and doing this stuff. I mean, I totally get it, but the male brain, like you said, there's one pathway, and it's pretty short, man. And it's like it's like the hyperlink. It's like goes real fast, and uh, you know, I can go from dad mode to tequila dad mode in about two point two seconds without the tequila. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have to drink it, and I'm like, look at that right there. I'm right there. I'm in there. <laughs> but this is this explains so much, and and that's why I'm so appreciative of you coming on the show and telling us this stuff because I think. If more people just knew this information or willing to explore it without it getting weird, you know, sometimes it's, shit just gets weird, right? And you're like, don't make it weird. Like, I want to ask you about this. So people have experiences, and those experiences can be anything. You could be going to Vegas, and for the first time, you wear a, what we always call a hooker dress, right? Do you believe that people should at least try an experience with it, especially if it's in a safe environment and all this other stuff? Don't you believe that? Everyone should at least try and experience it. That's how you would start to open yourself up to all the stuff that we talk about. You mean to experience being in a hooker dress? Well, maybe not just a hooker dress, but experiencing something that you normally might not do. Like I would love to see you in a hooker dress. Yeah, I, I, well, it's probably <laughs> some pictures, actually. There might even be some <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> Lord knows. Uh, I've never been shy of experiences. So yeah, it's possible there's one out there. But I'm a big believer in the fact that... that You've got to push yourself out of your comfort zones, or I don't know if you have this experience that you're talking about. Agreed. Agreed. And, um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> and there are basically two directions that we can go in when we try to bring in novelty and get out of our comfort zone. And one direction is outward and another direction is inward. inward. So for example, I can use you as an example. This is what what came to me is um, talking about the hyperlink. I love your use of that word and you know, for male sexuality, the hyperlink. So um, going inward to, to change that script in your nervous system would be like taking some deep breaths, take five deep breaths before you touch your wife's boobs and slow that down. Okay. And so then what, what happens is, um, your wife will probably begin to regain her trust in your self-mastery and your ability to hold and contain yourself 
and she'll actually start opening up to you more quickly. Um, so you're giving an example of going outward to begin shifting the script and creating new neural pathways and stretching yourself and go to Vegas and wear a hooker dress and, and sure, play with that. Sure, absolutely go experience that. Um, go to Burning Man, go to you know adventure play, bring yourself alive in your life. And with the caveat that um, I work with a lot of couples who are in the practice of doing that a lot and it can be easy to get hooked on the scintillation. Correct. Right. And, and so you need a bigger thrill and a bigger thrill and a bigger thrill. Like first it's like watching some porn together and then it's having it going to a swinger party and having a threesome. And then it's going to Vegas to a swinger conference. And then it's like, you know, send in the clowns kind of thing. Like <laughs> you, you just need more and more stimulation. So um, I want to make this pitch to also go inward in that stimulation. And here's one great idea for your listeners is to, Take one night a week and take turns having what I call temple night and take turns lavishing your partner with love and praise and honey, just like literally pour love into their heart, pour love into their body with no expectation of anything in return and alternate, you know, like every other week, somebody gets honored and spend an hour giving your wife, like sit at her feet and like, what she doesn't like massage or whatever, but whatever she likes, spend an hour lavishing her. And you'll find that what you're doing is pouring honey into your whole relationship. And then she's going to pour it into you. So that's an example of shifting the sexual script in a more subtle way. That's going to bring you closer together. And then when you do have sex, like, let's say you set a parameter, you, you worship, the other person for an hour. And then after that, all bets are off. You can do whatever you want. So swing from the chandeliers, have great monkey sex, whatever that looks like, but make that one hour sacred. But you bring up something really fascinating, okay? Is in this world that we live in, there are always factors, right? One of the factors is you have religious factors. I think everything that you've talked about would still fall in the religious belief, but there's a lot of there's a lot of that that plays a big role, and I think a lot of things comes down to interpretation, but I love everything that you said because I was sitting there thinking back to myself, is there anything that you said that wouldn't be okay if you're a devout whatever it is, right? Uh, maybe other than the hooker dress in Vegas, but <laughs> even then I think it's actually all right. But, you know, <laughs> I've interviewed so many from different types of faith, right, and um it is, it is a really huge factor when it comes down to sex. Yes. And thanks for bringing that in because um, when you're talking about faith, um, you, know, you are American and you live in America, right? Mm -hmm. When we talk about faith, probably you're talking about Christianity or Judaism um, some, or Catholicism. Mm -hmm. So broad, broadly Christianity, probably. And um, Christianity has unfortunately a very uh, shame riddled relationship to sexuality. And um, certainly it's not the only religion, like most contemporary religions um, have that. And so you're most likely having sex again in a patriarchal construct, meaning it's, and it's just so deeply embedded in our reality and our, in our consciousness that sex is for men. And uh, the male pleasure is 
far and away more important than the female pleasure. And women absorb and internalize this too. And it's so unconscious, we don't even realize it. Um, <clears throat> so in terms of my perspective, like where religion comes into this is, it's that is that it's usually um, male dominated. And, you know, God bless men today. I'm, I'm not blaming men. I'm blaming our years and years and years of, of patriarchal culture. And so one really beautiful way to begin reversing the effects of that, um, let, let's make a very solid construct. I have this as a policy for the couples I work with is she comes first. So be, be, before she's even entered, before there's penetration, she needs to have at least one orgasm. Period. I'm on that bus. Fantastic. I don't know many guys that aren't on that bus. We're like, yep, let's yeah, get on that bus. There is a lot of really, really, really good research, though, that actually men are more turned on when they feel like the female is being pleased. And it's, it's actually quite overwhelming. When you start talking about sex, it's such an intimate thing. I think people don't want to evolve into those types of conversations. Men talk about it all the time. Women rarely do. And that's, uh, that was actually a study that was just published here in, in, uh, in 2019, which was a fascinating uh, article. I think a lot of it comes down to just the literally the ineducation or the just unwillingness to talk about it. So for our women viewers out there, how does, how does somebody bring that up? Do you, know, do you talk about that with your best friend? You know, Men, we just say, hey, if you gossip all this information, I'll kill you myself, right? And so we kind of have that thing. Uh, how, do women, how do women have this conversation? Women talk about sex all the time. <laughs> you know, um, there, there was a study, you might be interested in this, that came out of Berkeley um, maybe five years ago or so about... Um, um, done where they got groups of women together who had some kind of like sexual dysfunction, like vulvodynia, pain, pain during sex, or were anorgasmic, weren't able to have an orgasm and um, got them together in groups and just put them in a room with other women and let them talk about whatever they wanted to talk about. And in a very short amount of time, maybe a couple of weeks, these symptoms all started to remediate in the majority of women. So just talking about sexuality and what's happening for them with no intervention whatsoever began to lift the symptoms. And so I believe that it's the shame, like how we constrict sex as a topic that creates tension in the body and the nervous system. And then it shows up symptomatically in our lovemaking. Well, this is the perfect segment where I want to go. What do you think about these places that people go for this psychedelic stuff? I'm actually an MDMA psychotherapist. So I'm, I'm trained in doing MDMA assisted psychotherapy. And so, um, I, I've just, uh, I'm a big believer, but I'm also very judicious and very cautious about that. So if you're listening and you're thinking you want to do some psychedelic work, make sure that you get yourself into the hands of a professional and someone very, very qualified. And it, it's not a recreational experience. It's a therapeutic experience. So I want to be very clear about that. Um, but certainly certain medicines, like the research is, is like the proof is in the pudding. Just look at the research about what we're able to do specifically with psilocybin, which is known as magic mushrooms around death anxiety and cancer patients. Look at the research around uh, working with trauma and PTSD. Um, in particular, I was trained to work with war veterans with PTSD and using MDMA 
So we're, we're able to provide healing and relief in such an exponential way using these medicines. And I'm thrilled that they're being unscheduled as, you know, felony crimes and uh, there's more and more research. So um, I think if you're curious, definitely look into that. This is why I wanted to bring this up. Thank you for every single word you just mentioned there. Um, I, people have to know that you don't know what you're doing, especially if you've never done it before. It has to be done in a safe environment where there are people who know what they're doing. Yeah. Again, even this conversation is, is highly controversial to a lot of people. But on the same token, you know, it, there are so many people that this is working absolute unbelievably for. And I wanted you to get that out there. I wanted your opinion on that. I absolutely 100% agree with you. It has to be done in a controlled environment where you know every possible scenario. So here's the last thing I want to talk to you about. Okay. Men and women. Eva Clay, I've done a lot of work uh, looking you up. I Just after our conversation today, there's no doubt you can be extremely helpful. So first thing I want to know is, how can people get in touch with you? And is it more female, more male, or is it 50-50? Um, I work with men and women in couples. Um, you can get in touch with me at evaclay.com. That's E-V-A-C-L-A-Y.com. And you can reach me through my website. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm here to serve love. Um, I'm here to help people love each other more deeply and with pure hearts. And through the matrix, through the prism of sexuality, which I believe is an expression of love. And... So it's my great joy, my great honor to do this work and, and to serve anyone who wants to step into it. And here's the one thing I, I do want to say about you, because before we bring on any guest, I, I have to feel comfortable with them, right? Because I feel an obligation duty to our listeners to bring really good stuff. There's a lot of people in this world who do quasi what you do, but you have the experience, you have the background, you have both the academia type stuff with personal experience. I think you're perfect for anybody who's looking to, to really get some help with this. And, and I think we probably all need help. I, as a matter of fact, I probably should sign up because I got all kinds of issues. But, but I, I do want people to know that you were brought on this show because uh, I'm a big academic guy and I know that that's where you're at as well. But you bring this in because you know, you know there's the, the hippie it's all just about the love and so on and so forth, but they don't get that valuable knowledge of maybe the psychedelics, but how to do it safely, how to do it in a controlled environment. So thank you so much for coming on our show. I, this can't be a one and done here. I mean, this has, I, there's so many billions of questions I want to talk to you about, but I wanted to get you on this show because I know you're busy. Hopefully we can drive a lot of people to you because this is an area of life that is so crucially important to a, a, just a healthy relationship not only in the bedroom, but in, in life in general. So thank you again so much for giving up your time for us. Mm, it's my pleasure. Thanks, Dr. Mitch. You're so welcome. Thank you. <laughs>